Well, we're thrilled on good news from the Middle East today to have dear friends, Anne Graham Lotz and Rachel Ruth Lotz Wright, and they're going to be sharing about their new book, Jesus Followers. And I, I just love this, real-life lessons for igniting faith in the next generation. And boy, the next generation needs it, right, oh Joanne? Oh gosh, are we living in dark days or what? And it seems like every day is getting darker and darker. So thank you, Anne and Rachel Ruth, for joining us today. Now, Tom wants to share a little bit about you, Anne, and all the incredible ways God's used you. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, uh, Anne Graham Lotz is called the best preacher in the family by her father, Billy Graham, an international speaker and the best-selling and award-winning author of numerous books, including Jesus in Me, Just Give Me Jesus. Mm -hmm. Someone on our team was just telling about how that book changed her life just this week. The Light of His Presence, and most recently, Jesus Followers, mm -hmm. co-authored with her daughter, Rachel Ruth Lotz Wright. Lotz is the president of Angel Ministries in Raleigh, North Carolina, and the former chairperson for the National Day of Prayer. Mm -hmm. A dear friend, every time we're with you, we learn so much. We truly count it a privilege to be friends with you mm -hmm. and Rachel and Maura and your whole family. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tom, so much. And, uh, you know, I've like you all, I love serving the Lord. And so mm -hmm. when I look and see where he's taken me, I couldn't have planned that if I had the best PR agent in the world. <laughs> right. and, um, and so it's been an adventure. And part mm -hmm. of that adventure has been connecting with you all and um, having you all open my eyes to mm -hmm. what God's Spirit is doing in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And until I came to know you all, I think I was uh, somewhat skeptical about some mm -hmm. of the stories I'd heard. Yeah. And then I started listening to you all and reading your books mm -hmm. and sharing your books. And um, and God just opened my heart wide mm -hmm. for uh, uh, not only for Israel, of course, and his people, the Jews, but for uh, the Arabs and the Muslim world and just mm -hmm. seeing what he's doing there and mm -hmm. um, and just so aware of his love for them, which is one reason I think he sent you to them. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh. so it's been a joy to know you and to mm -hmm. come alongside you in some of the things you've done. Mm -hmm. Thank you. We're humble. Thank you. Joanne. Oh my gosh, that's so kind. And and we have your beautiful daughter, Rachel Ruth, with us. And let's learn a little bit about your darling daughter. So Rachel Ruth Lotz Wright, which is a mouthful right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. It currently leads a weekly online Bible study through Angel Ministry. Ministries, um, and you can find it at www.angramlots.com. But you, Rachel Ruth, also serve on the board of directors for Angel Ministries. In addition, you hold the position of ministry teaching associate and chair the weekly prayer team that undergirds your mom's sweet ministry. You've co-authored with your mom, Anne Graham Lotz, Jesus Followers, which is your new book, your first book. How exciting that you got to do yeah. it together. Um, and you and your husband, Stephen, live in Raleigh, North Carolina, with three incredible daughters. And one of the things I love about you, Rachel Ruth, in addition to your incredible passion for Christ, is that like your mom, you carry this grace and dignity, um, but you also wrap it up in that you're an incredible athlete. And that is something that I'm not. And so when I see that in you and how you balance that so beautifully, it just lets it causes me That's to right. respect you even more and admire um, you so. We are grateful that you're with us today, too, and that we call you friend. Ah, oh, thank you. I mean, I'm so excited about this one because I literally think of you, too, as heroes to me. So oh it's just an honor to be invited to do this um, and to talk with y'all. So it really is. It's very special for me. Oh, well, the privilege is all ours. And you know what? Another thing, just hanging out with you all in different places we have had more fun and more laughs, laughs about yeah. funny situations, things in life, what's happening today. And, you know, I was just talking to uh, some friends that work in Iran. And uh, Joanne's doing a television program in Iran right now. And, and the producers were saying, what is the number one thing we need in Iran right now? Help with our families. families. We need help with our families mm -hmm. because some come out of Muslim, most of them come out of a Muslim faith, but what about the kids? And we just need help. And they said, would you dedicate time to this program with working on the family for right. us? It's it's all new, first generation Christians in Iran. Right, right. 
you know, and at least for us living in America, we've got a, you know, we're a Christian nation, so to speak, <clears throat> though we're getting further and further away from that. But if you come from a Muslim background and then know nothing about God's word, you've got nothing to pull from as a first generation Christian right. to pass on to your children. So we even thought about asking both of you to be on our show Flourish, if you could talk about how you instill your faith and pass that on to That's your right. children. We'd be honored. Yeah, uh, and it's it's exactly what one of our thoughts was. One of the main thoughts of writing this book was for people who have have never had that example in their home. They don't know what a Christian home looks like, and maybe they've come to Christ, but they don't know what what it means to pass it on and what that looks like. So, so we thought we'd just give them a picture of what a godly home looks like with two sets of grandparents, a love of the Lord, parents, and. And, um, and so that is exactly our heart. So oh. that's so neat. Oh, Praise the that. Lord. Well, you know, I just read a, a quote recently that 65% of Americans identify themselves as Christians. And my first thought when I read that is, how come we're not getting any more done? How come the, the church is not a force to be reckoned with? And we're not getting some of this crazy legislation changed and so much of the evil that's so prominent now something's happened along the way, and it has to be the handing of the baton to the next generation. Well, you know, and, Tom, if I can say, I think it even, um, I would look more closely at what the 65% believe. Because mm -hmm. I'm mean, yeah. drilled down on that. And oh. uh, the vast majority don't believe that God's word is true, not in its entirety. And so they've never grasped that baton of truth for themselves, so they can't possibly pass it on. So the first thing... Uh, if we're going to, to ignite faith in the next generation, we need to have faith ourselves. And our faith is not just a um, feeling or what we decide we want to believe or what popular culture is doing or mm -hmm. even what we're taught in church. Our faith has to be rooted in the Word of God, which mm -hmm. means we need to read it, study it, apply it, live it out. Um, and, and that's what gives strength to our own faith to the point that we can run our race and then um, relay that baton of truth mm -hmm. to somebody else. Amen. Wow. Amen. I love what you said yes, that you said. we have a lot of people that admire Jesus, mm -hmm. but not a lot of people that want to be disciples of yes. Jesus. So Rachel Ruth, here's one for you. What inspired you to write your first book with your mom, Jesus Followers? What inspired you to do this? It started um, years ago, actually, when my grandmother, who we call Tete, um, she asked us to, but it means old lady in Chinese. <laughs> she, grew, she was born and raised in China, you know, because her parents were medical missionaries. And so, um, so anyhow, when and Teta and I were very close, and my mom and my sister, all of us were very close with Teta. And so it was devastating when she wasn't doing good. And, um, and so we went up to see her mom and Mara and I went up to visit her when she was not good and, and we thought maybe it would be the last time that we would see her and it was for me it was the last time and and so I just was I felt desperate I didn't want to forget the things that she had taught me I didn't want to forget the example that she'd set for me and even right then I started writing some stuff down and and then it's been so many years later that um that the Lord you know, just his timing is perfect, but just, I felt such a burden because of that, you know, the heritage that I've been given, but then seeing my kids' friends mm -hmm. where their parents, you know, they were putting their kids in their Christian school or they were going to church, but there was a disconnect between them and their kids and their mm -hmm. kids were not living like they knew anything about the Lord. And so that was where I, I had this burden, you know, what, what's the disconnect? Why aren't they passing that on to the next generation? And so that's where the book came from. You know, mom, I talked to her about it and we both felt strongly to do it. And, and then the Lord just put it together. So, wow. That's, that's, that's beautiful. awesome. I love that. So would you say then the, the um, idea was sparked? The Lord put that idea on your heart first, Rachel Ruth? Yes. Yes. And it really is a burden of mine because I adore kids. I love them. And I think I still feel like one on the inside. But um, <laughs> And so I just, um, I feel, I have a heart for this generation coming up that is so lost. I mean, they are so lost. And, and I think they're desperate for people to be authentic, people to believe what they believe and be confident in it. You know, none of this wishy-washy, you know, watered down gospel. And I think kids want 
want you to speak truth and be confident in it. And, mm. um, and so I, and yeah. I think they're hungry for it. They'll, they'll receive it when you speak to them like that. But, um, but they, they don't want to hear it from somebody who's just like, well, that or this or that. It's just like, exactly. yeah, you know, I'm going somewhere else. And, um, and so that's a real burden of mine. Mm. Well, and I, I love this because I'm a sports guy. You guys come from sports family, you know, basketball, baseball, all of that. Love sports. Our kids did too. And so I think of my devotions a lot, like we're in a locker room and Jesus has given us <laughs> directives for the day. Okay, ready, break, go live for me. <laughs> I really think about that. And you liken the um, handing the baton, you use that that analogy. And I just thought that is so beautiful because how many times in the Olympics in the four by four relay have we seen a baton drop? Yeah. And what a vivid picture that is from generation to generation. So, so why is it similar to a relay race? You know, it's interesting because that, that particular Olympic event is one of our favorites and the kids would... My husband, Danny, would take uh, the kids to the University of North Carolina where he he w went to school and they would watch the track events. And that was one that they uh, enjoyed, too. And um, and as you know, in that relay race there, I don't know how many teams, but each team has four members. Mm -hmm. And the first member of the relay race grabs, um, grasps the baton very tightly, runs his lap. When he comes to the second runner, he extends the baton, and the second runner is already in motion. He passes the baton to the second runner. Second runner does the same thing around his lap, comes to the third runner, and then the fourth runner, and so on until the race is finished. And, and the team that wins is the one that passed, not on, that ran the fastest, but passed the baton the smoothest. Mm -hmm. And um, and it was, you know, anyway, it's interesting. In Genesis chapter 5, there's a genealogy that a lot of people skip over because it's just begats and he died begats and you know and but but if you look at it those were 10 men in Gen genesis 5 that passed that baton of truth to the next generation in a civilization that was dominated by cain that became so wicked that god said they only thought evil all the time and it provoked his judgment in the flood so he destroyed the whole world because that civilization he couldn't tolerate it anymore and and that baton was passed from generation to generation, until it came to the last, and it was one man, Noah, who grasped that baton. And and because he did, we're here today because uh, actually mm -hmm. his family and the whole human race was saved by one person. So when you think, what can one person do? And and I think one person who grasped the baton for himself and, you know, uh, submits his life to the Lord and and. Anyway, can can save not only his family but others, and mm -hmm. the family and others have to make their own choice. But it was mm -hmm. I just pulled out four men in that Genesis chapter five. The first one was Abel through his worship, and then it was Seth and Enosh through their excuse me, Abel through his witness, and then Seth and Enosh in their worship, and then Enoch in his walk, and Noah in his work. And so we took those four elements, like the four mm -hmm. laps in a relay race, and mm -hmm. then divided the book into four parts. So I wrote the introduction and then introduction to each part um, and then the end of it. And then Rachel Ruth um, wrote seven stories for each part that illustrate what that part is about. And mm -hmm. I think she did a magnificent job. She yes. um, thinks in color, you know, <laughs> yeah. and so she writes in color and it's just um, she writes like she talks. And um, and so I, I thought the stories were not only gripping and convicting and they will make you laugh and cry but they got across the truth you know yeah. they were they were really to a point and, and mm -hmm. she did a great job so very um, proud of her. you mm. total oh my gosh you both wrote beautifully yes in fact i was very curious when this book came out to see because ann you're an incredible author fantastic author and you too write like you speak with such yeah. depth and which such insight so i was curious to see rachel ruth as you joined in this endeavor what your writing style was like and you nailed it on the head you write <laughs> in color and the stories were precious not only did they instill the truths that you were seeking to get across to the reader but it gave us beautiful insight into your family and um i we read stories that we had never heard before at the end of the book first of all we didn't want it to stop That's we right. wanted those That's stories right. to go on and we just felt so much more connected connected to your family as a whole, in addition to the stories, the beautiful pictures that went along with it. Um, 
Oh my gosh, one story that still stands out to me that we laugh about in our family now is the story of Murdoch the bird and the you know, hot veg <laughs> sauce. And that's great. But so many great stories. Um, and it makes us see that you're human too. Uh, and you have yeah. mishaps and funny yeah. stories, you know. And, and, and press through them. Yeah, and, and you've written so many books and I'm sure that there's times you were like super pumped up about a cover on a book and then uh, sent it back to the publisher. I'm not sure if this is it. This cover just grips you. It, it really does. Uh, everything. The beautiful little girls. Your the, three daughters. Those, those yeah. are her yeah. girls. You know that? And, uh, yeah. and we actually, it took us four months to come up with that cover because <laughs> wow. I didn't want it to look like a children's book. You know? uh, and yes. it doesn't. It's beautiful with the ocean and it's. And the blue sky. I mean, it just grips you and you think, I want to, I just want to read this. And your beautiful daughters on the front. I mean, it's. And just... it's a picture of what you described. It's, you know, they're almost yeah, in their little race. Yeah, yeah, you know, like yeah. the relay race. You captured it beautifully. Yeah. I know. It's so crazy because I never, I just saw them running out perfectly separated and I just took the picture of the beach years ago and and, wow. and so anyhow God had it God knew God look knew. at how that look at how that worked out praise God okay so I want to talk about the little vignettes that are so powerful at the end of the chapter but one thing I was just thinking both of you you know watching relay races it's not when you're running full speed for you know 100 yards and then you hand it off or 100 meters you hand it off. It's not like uh, here you go, a real gentle thing. They really slap that down in the hand. You got to feel it if you're the next guy, and really passing on our faith is so intentional, so vibrant. It's not well. This is kind of what we believe. This is the word of God, and this is what it says, and this is what we see in your family. We really do. I love this. Uh, creating a legacy of worship. Ask God to reveal any ways in which you've allowed frustration and discouragement to obscure your appreciation of his blessings. And then a charge, be a Jesus follower, learn to laugh. And the mm -hmm. verse is Proverbs 15, 13, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Mm -hmm. and, and we see that with you. You have joy. And I know I turn in the next page, 82, you talk about Tay Tay and just the joy she had, even in the midst of her suffering. And you saw her model that. It had to be life changing. Yeah, it was. I mean, we can both testify to that because she was amazing. And she really was for most of her, I don't know how many years, she was in pain and had, what, five hip replacements and oh her had back surgeries and just all kinds of pain. But you would never know it to talk to her. She was always joyful, always laughing, always talking about God's word, always thinking about the other person. And, um, and I talked about, I think one weekend, my sister and I went up to visit her and we had to leave early the next morning. And we were like, Teta, we just want to say goodbye to you tonight. You know, we don't want to wake you up. And she was like, no, you have to come wake me up in the morning. And, Aww. and so the next morning when we walked in, you know, we just creaked the door open <laughs> and she heard and from, you know, when you wake up when you're in pain and how it hurts worse when you, right when you wake up. Mm -hmm. So so she could have just been like, oh, and when she woke up, she was just like, oh, you came to say goodbye. I mean, Aww. just so sweet, so joyful. And um, and I'll never forget it. And so that made such an impact on us when we've had different health issues. Mom, when she went through cancer and just yeah. going through that whole battle with her and seeing her joy, her focus. And she kept telling everybody, this is God's assignment for me right now. You know, this is where he has me. And, yeah. and just the, the perspective that she had in it and the joy that she maintained through it. And, and my sister, I wrote about because she deals with daily migraines mm -hmm. and, and how she just continues to serve people and, and right. does it with joy. I mean, it's, it's that passing on. We've seen it modeled in Tete and in our mom and, and now you know we we try and live that out too so it's beautiful um, so really very good. thankful so mm -hmm. so that but brings I, me to a yeah I'm sorry go ahead Anne what were you gonna I, say? Just, I actually think that's why God allows us to have pain and suffering mm -hmm. because Peter says don't be surprised at that fiery trial that comes into your life because then God's glory is revealed and people can watch us whether they're people in our families, or our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, and if everything's going well in our lives, they can shrug it off, you know, because they could have faith if, if they had as much money and fame and popularity and, you know, whatever success as 
as the next person, but, but it's when we go through a fiery trial. It's when we're diagnosed with cancer or when we, mm-hmm. um, our spouse suddenly leaves or when we have uh, the headaches and the physical pain day after day after day. Then, then people watch us. And that's when they see the reality of our faith. And if our faith um, is authentic, then that fiery trial is going to um, make it more obvious and people will see Jesus in us, mm-hmm. And which is, I think, the assignment, you know, that mm-hmm. God would mm-hmm. allow us to um, experience difficult things and hard things, but for the purpose of revealing Jesus to those mm-hmm. around us. Mm. beautifully said that's exactly right and i love that our pain is never wasted god always always uses it for his glory always well it's kind of changing tracks a little um deuteronomy 6 of a beautiful passage the shema that we're all familiar with talks about impressing on our children our faith and it talks about you know doing this faith at home but also along life's way so there's the intentional sitting around the table having bible study but then there's the like we're talking about here modern a long life, how to walk with Jesus. So my question is actually kind of for both of you. Um, you know, as moms, which was easier for you to instill in your home? You know, the structured yeah. kind of talk about Jesus around the table or the more um, impertinent, impersonal, informal. informal, that's what I'm looking for, along life's way. Um, so that's the first question, which was easier for you to instill in your homes? And then secondly, for both of you as daughters, which did you learn more from, the former, formal or the informal? So I'd love to hear that from both of y'all. Okay, well, I almost think it's a blending because um, my husband was a great one for structure for family devotions, church every Sunday, um, you know, bedtime devotions and prayer. And um, But then he also, like I know when he would drive them to school in the morning because his dental office was near where they went to school, that he would they go through a psalm or proverb or, you know, something as he drove. And, um, and then my older daughter, who worked for him as an assistant in the dental office, mm-hmm. um, witnessed him, you know, sharing the gospel with his assistants, with his patients. Uh-huh. It, it, so in other words, it's not something you turn on and off. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, it's, it's who you are. And I think that's, that there needs to be some structure. And certainly in my life now, you know, there's, there's got to be a time when I draw aside with the Lord and read the word and uh, meditate on it and apply it to myself and, and pray it back to the Lord and then look for opportunities to um, be a witness as I go through my day. But, but, but it, it comes from an overflow. It's yes. not something that's um, uh, legalistic or ritualistic. Yeah, right. uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's an overflow of my relationship with Jesus. And, um, and so I'll, I'll go to the second question in a minute. But you want to answer that first question first? Or? Yeah, I think, um, it, I mean, I agree with mom. It's just, it's been nonstop in my house with my three girls. So we, um, when they were little, it was we always did the structured every night devotions and getting on our knees and praying. Um, I went to each of their rooms and we would get on our knees and pray and, and do devotions together. And then as they got older, um, I find myself still every night, it's almost every night I go to bed at midnight or one in the morning because Mm -hmm. that's when they have time to talk because my two older ones are out of the house and, and so they call me and that's, you know, when we end up talking, I counsel them or give them scripture. And, and so, but, but it is the thing that I love and that I make sure to do that I think is important for every parent to do is you talk about him all day long and, mm-hmm. and it's just, and it flows. It's not something that's rehearsed or like awkward. It's just, is the overflow of your heart. So the absolute vital thing is you have to be in love with Jesus. And mm-hmm. and because of that, then when we're driving in the car, when we see somebody walking on the side of the road, my girls now, it's just natural for them to start praying for that person. They don't even know who it is, you know, oh, or awesome. talking about this or mom, I got to witness to this person in class today. Or in fact, my youngest daughter, Riggin, yesterday was in, she's in high school and not one believer around her. So in in this high school, so at lunch, she sits down and she bows her head, prays over her lunch. Like she knows to do. We've always done for our meals. And, and she saw this, um, 
guy looking at her and she's beautiful and this some kid was looking yeah. at her you know? yeah. and, and she was like mom I was so thankful because he saw me bowing my head and praying and she but said she, she also asked her table how yeah. she can pray for them yeah. so the first oh, wow. that's beautiful how yeah. she can pray for them and then she prays yeah. and so oh, when it becomes this natural thing where they we do it all the time in our home and we stop and pray any moment of the day or we'll I'll say, oh, I was reading this passage this morning, you know, and this is what God said to me. Then, then it's, you know, you pass it on the kid, your kids do the same thing. It's Beautiful. just, I don't, I don't think of, uh, I guess I, at this stage with older teenagers, I'm not thinking of a set time where we're sitting down. It's just all the time. All the <laughs> time. Just, we talk about all exactly. the time. Beautiful. I love that beautiful, the blending of it. Mm. You both answered that beautifully. So then the second part, what did you learn most from? I Probably what you just said, but I'd love to hear if you would, anything else you'd like to share on that? Well, there's so many things that, that I could share. Um, one of the things, uh, when I was home, I went to a big public high school and every morning my mother would gather whoever was in the house, in the kitchen, and she would have Bible reading and prayer. Mm. I never enjoyed those times because I was so rushed to, to get my books and papers together and make sure I looked right before I ran out the door. I always seemed pressed for time in the morning. And um, But she taught me by her example the importance of daily Bible reading and prayer, preferably in the morning. And my father, uh, when he was home, he would lead a devotional time in the evening. Mm -hmm. And when he did, he would read a portion of scripture and stop and talk about it. And so he taught me by his example to to think about what I was reading in scripture. So both parents passed on something to me that um, was very precious. And, um, and then I saw them living it out. My mother more so maybe because she was there 24-7 in the home. And my bedroom was upstairs right over her room downstairs. And... So it didn't matter what time I got up in the morning, uh, and sometimes I got up very early in order to study for a test, and the lights from her room would be reflected on the trees outside the window, and I would go downstairs, and she'd be at her big flat-top desk. She had 14 different translations of the Bible, and she'd be reading and studying and comparing. And then at night, if I slipped down the back stairs to talk to her like Rachel's girls and need counsel, you know, late at mm -hmm. night. I'd find her on her knees, and I knew when I found her on her knees, I might as well go back to my room because she wasn't going to, <laughs> to interrupt <laughs> her prayer time for me, you know. And uh... and so just the consistency and the faithfulness of her relationship with the Lord, and if I can use this term, she was really in love with Jesus. And mm -hmm. that, that was contagious to me. I wanted to know him and love him as I saw my mother do, uh, and it was, beautiful. she was very, um, what I think one reason she and Ray Truth were so close is that they both have the same crazy sense of humor. They're both very <laughs> witty, very quick, um, and, uh, but she was deeply spiritual, and so you can have the combination. You don't have to be pious and stuffy and serious right, right. all the time, That's right. um, but you can have lots of fun and mm -hmm. a, a huge sense of humor and enjoy life um, as well as being deep in God's word and in love with right. the Lord and um and she she loved her Bible as a result. In fact the Bible she and Daddy gave me for my first or for my baptism it was my first real Bible said this is um your one sure God in an unsure world. Read it, study it, live by it, love it. And wow. um and I took that counsel to heart and I'm so mm -hmm. glad I did. It's counsel that has lasted me for a lifetime. Wow. So still, still following mm -hmm. it. Terrific. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and I think um, looking back, maybe they both had an impact. Both of those ways had an impact on me and the, the structure teaching me to get up and do my own devotions in the morning and, and all that I think was impactful. But, um, but it really was watching, watching the way they lived. And I always say, like, if I had seen my parents drinking alcohol or using bad language or doing, you know, watching inappropriate stuff, all these, all these things, you know, that there, there are things from all different directions that can influence your life. If I had seen them doing that, I would have, I absolutely would have. And so mm -hmm. I think, um, their example in my life and they're getting, you know, I, same thing. I would come down and find my mom reading her Bible in the morning on her knees in the living room. And at night, 
my dad was a night owl. And so I would go and he had this tiny, tiny little study. I don't even know how he fit in there. And, <laughs> and he would be on his knees, you know, six, seven, he was six, seven. And he would be on his knees praying. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my dad, if I walked, Hey, Rach, you know, he'd get up and he'd sit down and start talking to me about what the apostle Paul did, you know, and, just kind of talk to God. and, um, but, um, but I think just seeing them living it out, you know, and it, it, that's really what made such an impact to me. And, and just discussing it, you know, when I come home from school and just had a rotten day and mom would sit down and talk with me, you know, talk me through it. And so maybe the informal times um, were very impactful, but the other was necessary. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful, beautiful. And this is so encouraging. I know everyone that hears this is going to say, I can do this. This is attainable. It's taking scripture and boiling it down to how we actually live it out. And that's what you all have done and modeled. Gosh, just hearing Riggin praying, ask, praying at the lunch table, not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and then asking her friends or maybe not friends, associates, you know, how can I pray for you? That's the picture that she has grasped that baton already. It's in her hand. And you know what? People respond to that. They see the uh, authenticity. Joanne and I have spoken at Princeton, and there's some Christian groups there, and and they were telling us that some of the kids that at Princeton that they meet people all the time that have never met a believer mm-hmm. in their whole life. Wow. They don't know one, and so they're different. And as we were walking across campus, this one guy stopped uh, some of the Christian kids at Princeton and said, my girlfriend broke up with me. I'm so upset. I know you pray. I've never prayed in my life. Would you pray with me? And they just stopped. I thought, this is how it should be. No, no preaching to them. He saw it lift out and they responded to it. I just, I love that. It's beautiful. And I think there's another um, aspect of the relay race that I didn't know until I was into the writing all these introductions but um when the one runner passes the baton to the next he has to do it in what they call the passing zone and um in the 2016 olympics uh, our american team the men's team uh, thought they had won the bronze medal and when they finished they were celebrating they wrapped themselves in the american flag and then they saw up on the board that their race had been disqualified and it turned out that they had passed the baton outside that passing zone and so I think for us, as we're passing that baton of truth to the next generation, there is a passing zone, a time when it's, a, it's easier to pass the baton. And to me, I think it's when your children are in your home. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know you can pass it outside that you will not be disqualified yeah. if for some reason I right. uh, didn't know to pass it, you know, when they were in your home and now they're grown, they have families of their own. And, and we've gotten emails and things from people who... Uh, you know, grandparents where their children won't even allow them to speak to their grandchildren no. because they don't be so resistant. But um, but then you just reach out to somebody else's children. You pass the baton to somebody else's mm-hmm. uh, family. So it, so it doesn't have to limit that. But going back to the passing zone for our parents of young children, uh, parents of children who are still in the home, if you've not been living authentically, then I think Rachel Ruth would say, then you just gather them around you, tell them that. You know, I have yeah. not lived it out, but but I've prayed and I've surrendered my life to Jesus and I want to make a change mm-hmm. and I want you all to see the difference in me and and just be authentic uh, and, um, you know, with your your sin yeah. and your yeah, failure yeah. as well as your faith. Mm-hmm. And I think kids will respond to that. And if they don't respond at the moment, as they get older, they're going to look back on that and that's going to be impressive to them. So I know that Rach Ruth has asked, um, or she's been asked, you know, what happens when, um, do, do you, um, what is it like try to impress your kids or yeah. do you be real with them? And, yeah. um, so, and Rach Ruth is, is great about just being very authentic mm-hmm. with her mm-hmm. mistakes, her failures, her struggles and letting her kids mm-hmm. know that. But then they see when she overcomes, you know, they see when she mm-hmm. has a I'm so glad you shared that. Go, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Rachel. Ruth. Well, I was just thinking it's so important to have humility as a parent because then it not only teaches them to be humble, but it also before the Lord. We have to be humble before the Lord. I mean, who are any of us without the blood That's of Jesus? Right. That's right. And so, um, so I try and 
teach the girls that that um, I, I make mistakes, I do wrong things, I shouldn't have said that, I got angry in this situation, and oh, I wish I'd held my tongue, or mm-hmm. and and then they see, okay, mom admits when she's wrong, and I can admit when I'm wrong, mm-hmm. and and I definitely need to before the Lord. So I just think it's always it's it's a win win. You know, we're gonna we're gonna fail, we're gonna make mistakes, but. Um, if we're honest with each other, I think that that helps. Amen. Well, that is so true. Well, you know what? One of the biggest mistakes I make is opening my mouth. That's where a lot of the sins happen. I know you've said things and you go, I cannot believe I said, did I think that or did I actually say it? I hope I didn't say it, but I did. And I've seen in your family modeled through the generations, starting with your father, hostility coming out him at him i remember him in a press conference in albuquerque oh and boy there was just some ungodly guys trying to trap him and he was just so joyful mm-hmm. and he truly lived out a gentle answer turns gentle. away wrath yeah. and he will make even his enemies to be at peace with mm-hmm. him at the end of that press conference they loved him mm-hmm. they they really didn't they may not have agreed with him on you know spiritually or whatever but he had the ability to do that we can blow it with our mouths so easy so how do you handle that if you've said something unkind in the family i want to see how how you do that and repair the breach in the wall <laughs> well i i mean i think that's it i think it it's just um being honest and telling your kids, you know, or whoever it was that I shouldn't have done that. And, and I apologize. And, and then you've got to show that you're going to be better the next time. You know, if it's mm-hmm. something you do over and over again, then it's just going to be like, it's going to go in one ear and out the other. You know, I've heard that from you, mom. Why do you keep doing it? And, and so I think when we, <laughs> we do that, uh, we have to really be intentional about being better the next time, you know, in learning from our mistakes. And, um, and I think that that goes a long way with kids because we're not perfect. And I think when we hold up this high standard that these kids can't attain to, you know, they just feel like failures and then they're afraid to do anything because they're going to fail. And, and mom's always been good about saying that, that, it's okay to be a failure. You know, God can work with that. He can, he can help you the next time, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so uh, I just want to teach my girls that, that we're going to make mistakes, but that's not the end of the road. You know, God can redeem. He can mm-hmm. move you past that. He can teach you through it. And he's going to make you compassionate when the next person comes along and does the same thing to you, you know, then you can be compassionate to them. So the whole, our whole lives is a, is a training ground. It's just, he teaches us through circumstances, through different things we go through. And one neat aspect of all this that we could go on a rabbit trail, which we won't, but mom's always taught us that our lives, or taught me that our lives here on earth really is like a boot camp preparing mm-hmm. us for what God's going to have us do in heaven, what our job is in heaven. And so we've just got to go at it, just working and learning and learning from our mistakes and being humble before the Lord and and um, get ready for what God's really got in store for us yeah. in heaven. I mean, it's exciting. That's a good so. point. Yeah. Well. Good point. Wow. Okay, so here you are from this famous family. The whole world knows Billy Graham and who you all are. So how has that been a struggle for you to be living out in the world? Even for you, Rachel, Ruth, you're, you know, generation removed from that. And then your girl's another one. But being in like a public school or in a setting, knowing that people are watching you with perhaps a more critical eye than they would someone else. Was that difficult for you? And how did you overcome that? You know, um, I don't think about it. And um, but I did when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And when I was a teenager, I remember um, going to a leadership training institute and um, my roommates and people there had a very strong opinion of what Billy Graham's daughter should be like. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, the people back in my home church, these older missionaries also had that same strong opinion. And and at that point in time, I modeled clothes and I bleached my hair and I wore heavy makeup uh, or at least heavier than people in my little hometown wore. <laughs> and, and so I went out to this leadership in, uh, training institute um, and I, uh, at night the 
speaker would go on for two, two and a half hours, and I got tired of it, and so I took off with some friends, and we went and had a good time, you know, and um, so my roommates were all praying for me because they said I was so carnal, and I didn't even know what that word meant. I had to look it up and see what does carnal mean, and, uh, and then I had somebody take me aside, and they could see my struggle, and they said, Ann, you're looking at God through a prism, and your relationship with God is colored by the opinions of other people, and you need to look at God directly. And um, mm. and right then and there, I can remember exactly where I was. Um, mm. I made that decision to live my life to please God. And I knew if I did, the people I loved most would be pleased. My parents, my mm. grandparents, you know. And there would be some people who would never be pleased. You can't please everybody anyway. And so yeah. I just live my life for an audience of one. And it doesn't Praise matter God. if I'm on a platform in front of, 10,000 evangelists in Amsterdam with the who's who of, you know, evangelical leadership in back of me on the platform. It doesn't matter if it's one person sitting next to me on the airplane. It doesn't matter if I'm within my home. I want to live my life to please God 24-7. So, um, so that's the way I've handled it since I was uh, 17 years of age. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. And, that's and powerful. Praise God that he gave you that. At, yeah. at such a young age that you could live the rest of your life. Absolutely. As we're all supposed to, living for an audience of one, but not carrying the burden and the pressure of whose daughter you were. It's, so, wow. it's very freeing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Rachel Ruth? I feel like when I was growing up, I didn't, I just didn't struggle with that. I, I Good. so love the Lord and I was proud of my, grandfather proud of my mom you know because they were out in the ministry and everything and um and so I think I saw things as very black and white I'm very I think I'm kind of like a strong person so I didn't I didn't care I just love the Lord and so I live for the Lord but when I was in high school the the problems were coming from people that didn't want to live for the Lord. And so they left me out. I didn't get to go do things. I was by myself all, you know, most of high school. And that's where it was hard, but I never, it never made me doubt the Lord or be mad at the Lord. It, mm-hmm. By God's grace. I mean, I have no idea except it was God's yeah. grace in my life that I clung to him. And, um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm just, thankful for that. So I struggled through school and had a hard time with my ADD and all that. But, but as far as my relationship with the Lord, um, I think it really is because of my, the example that my parents set and my grandparents, I love the Lord. I remember at night in high school laying in bed and I had a window right next to my bed and I would just lay there for hours at night, just praying and asking the Lord to help me survive these miserable years. And he really became my best friend. And so, um, so I know I had cousins that struggled with it, struggled with being Billy Graham's, you know, grandchild. And, and, and I just, I thought that was silly. I, yeah. I was like, yeah, so that was God's grace in my life, I think. So. Mm. Beautifully said. Well, you know, the book is so inspirational, and I th- it's one that we're going to read over and over now that we have grandchildren and more coming. But I think about uh, just, well, I'm in the book of Romans right now, and the first 11 chapters are what you have in Christ, and then 12 to 16 is how to live it out. Mm-hmm. And this book has both. This is what we have. This is how we live it out, and your practical, your honesty, uh, funny stories, just how things went right, how things didn't go right, was really inspirational to us, truly was, and an honor to do a short endorsement for it. It was just a privilege for us. And I read oh, about God. y'all in it. So yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, That's my gosh. Right. Rachel, Ruth, I will never forget yeah. that day. Tommy and, you know, Tommy and Josh were in, um, they were in, gosh, where were they? Lebanon. No, Turkey. On the they border of Turkey. Turkey. Yeah. yeah, we travel so much. I forget. The border of Turkey and Syria. And they had snuck out a message, SOS surrounded by ISIS. And I had happened to been praying with you that day, sending you a prayer text. And normally, you guys, we never send out pray for these people because we don't want to, you know, for security reasons, we don't want to endanger anyone further. But I sent out that message to you, passed it on, pray for the boys. And then God spoke to you so powerfully and yeah. visually. Didn't you say you saw yes, a vision? Yeah, and- yeah, I did. And so oh, I, I prayed when I got that immediately 
sat down and started praying. It was one of those times, you know, when you're praying and you just feel the Holy Spirit like urging you to pray. And that's when I had that picture in my mind. And so many times I pray what I see. And so I just started praying, Lord, bring an English speaking Arabic man to pull them out of there. And that, cause that's what I saw happening. Yeah, and then I get yeah. a text from you a little bit later and that's exactly what happened. And that is so the Holy Spirit. I mean, oh that is gosh, amazing. Yeah. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So, and the power of prayer. I, I remember that oh. you sending that back in and it was like, this is what I prayed. And, and again, exactly what happened to Tommy exactly. and Josh. And only God could have accomplished that. And you were so sweet to put that in your book. Oh, yeah, we started to read it. Oh my gosh, the story! I mean, wow, that was that was. And to something. know that you all were praying for us, yeah. we were just so honored by that, so humbled by that. Wow. So thank you, thank wow. you so much. So, um, what about someone that doesn't have children and they don't have children? They're not a grandparent. Can they leave a legacy on the next generation? How do they do that? Absolutely. Just ask God to show you. Um, you know, who you can pass that baton to. And it may be your neighbor who's next to you. It may be somebody who works with you. It may be a classmate. It may be um, a friend. Uh, You know, they're just, the world is filled with people (laughs) who need to know Jesus, who need to know the truth. And right now, I know you all know this, in our world, it's, it's as though we're having a Romans 1 um, culture because we have so... Uh, moved away from God, that I'm not sure that uh, most of our world now can even recognize the truth. They don't know the truth, and I'm not sure they can recognize it when it comes face to face with them. But but I think there are those out there who um, know something's not right. The world is falling apart. Uh, it's not working, what we're being told. And and so, um, you know, the, I think they're looking for answers. There are people who are looking yeah. for answers, people yeah. who are looking for an authentic faith, and um, and we've zeroed in on the next generation mainly because um, it. I'm concerned that we may lose it, mm-hmm. and uh, and not, mm-hmm. you know, if we don't pass that baton of truth on to the next generation, who will? And is mm-hmm. it possible right. to lose it in one generation? And mm. and so um, I want to be like Noah, if no one else. I want to at least grasp that baton for myself and offer it to my family and just pray that God would multiply it and in some way make it enough to, to be for the salvation of others. But, but I think it's, um, don't, don't limit yourself. Even if you have children and grandchildren, Tom, don't Mm -hmm. limit yourself to your own family. That's right. right. Pass the baton to somebody else's family, somebody else, um, who needs Jesus. It can be somebody that is the clerk in the store, somebody who does your, Manicure and pedicure, if you're a woman, you know, or, um, you know, it can be somebody who is your coach, somebody who's your teacher, um, um, somebody who's your student. So, so, you know, just look for ways, and even within the church, because uh, I don't want to be critical, but I think the churches today have, um, if they haven't dropped the baton, they've bobbled it. And mm-hmm. um, so within the church, you know, you can ask to teach Sunday school, you can get involved with uh, the younger generation in that way and just, um, you know, do what you can. Uh, and what you said about passing a baton, how you have to be sort of forceful as you pass that baton to the next runner and to be intentional. Don't just think it's somebody else's job. Leave it up to a pastor, mm-hmm. an evangelist, That's or right. That's for sure. you know, authors, but, but you would do it yourself and look for ways and then pass it with intentionality. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been an f- incredible conversation. And just as you wrote in your book, things that um, people would never know about you, that's, I think, exactly what this conversation has done. We've learned more about you every time we're together. But any last things that either one of you would want um, to share? Anything from the book or about passing your own faith on? Anything else that you'd like to share that we haven't yet touched on? Well, uh, I know I would. And I would just like to underscore, I think, what I said at the beginning that um, in order to, to be a Jesus follower, in order to pass that baton of truth to the next generation, you must grip it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And the way you do that um, is to come by faith to the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, and in prayer, you just see that Jesus is the Lamb of God who was sacrificed to make atonement for your sin. If nobody mm-hmm. else needed a Savior, um, you did. And so just to reach out and 
um, and put your faith and trust in Jesus as God's mm-hmm. sacrifice for your sin. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to cleanse you of all of your sin. And then open up your heart and invite Jesus to come live inside of you. And mm-hmm. and he will do that in the person of the Holy Spirit. That my, mm-hmm. One of my last books was Jesus and Me, the, on the person of the Holy Spirit. My experience of the Holy Spirit carrying me through some huge life events that could have been devastating, but he was right there for me as a divine companion who will never leave me, never forsake me. And you invite him to come into your life, he comes in. And then you you surrender your life to him. And from that moment forward, you choose to be a Jesus follower. You, you follow him all the way to heaven. And so I just encourage anybody who's listening, who's never grasped that baton for yourself, uh, that you do that as a result of this conversation right, and that you place your faith in Jesus right. and turn away from your sin and be honest with him, mm-hmm. you know, your failures and your shortcomings. He knows about it anyway. So just tell him <laughs> and then ask him to cleanse you, come into your heart in the person of the Holy Spirit and then surrender your life um, to follow him uh, all the way to heaven. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Well, that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but think, I couldn't help but think, Anne, how many of the people that consider themselves in the 65% they identify as Christian don't know don't what know that Jesus, means. Yeah. It's just, you know, I'm not Muslim, I'm not Jewish, I'm not Buddhist, I'm, I'm Christian, but never have committed their lives to the Lord. Exactly. Step one. Yeah. Absolutely. And you Rachel can, you, Ruth? You can lead your children when they're little, and I don't know if that's what was on your mind, but but Rachel, all, all three of her children were under three when um, she led them in prayer to ask Jesus to forgive their sin and come into their hearts. And, uh, so I don't know if that's what you wanted to share. Wow. Well, it's it's so important to do that. And they they understood in their little minds. I mean, they don't know like what we know as you get right. older, but, but they knew what doing a wrong thing was. And they knew they needed to have that cleaned out, you know, from by Jesus. And so... It was so sweet, and I saw the change in them. At that young age, I could see mm-hmm. them starting to feel guilty. You know, not guilty, but like um, convicted. convicted when they would do something wrong after that. And the Holy Spirit, you know, was just nudging in their hearts. So it was so good. But And one thing I was thinking um, that just came to my mind when you asked that question is that for you yourself, for somebody who's listening that is a believer, but if they have sin in their life, if they haven't just repented of that, if they've just let it kind of built up and they've kind of pushed it aside and and it's affecting their love for the Lord, their passion for Him, then I would just challenge you to get on your knees and, and confess it and just tell the Lord, you know, you're sorry and you want to reignite that flame for him so that it's evident to the people around them. And and just like mom mama said, I've said a couple of times, just that humility before the Lord and just getting right with him. And, and I think we all need to, because I think time is short and we're going to see Jesus yeah. face to face soon. But Amen. until then, do everything you can to ignite that flame for the Lord, that passion, that excitement for him. And that's enough to impact the people around you. They will see the, the difference in your life. But um, but don't hide it. Don't ignore it. Don't pretend it's not there. Just take it to the Lord. Amen. 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 Well, you know, seeing this replicated in your children and grandchildren, just there's no greater joy than seeing our kids walking in the truth. And I remember Shanna, yeah, our first daughter, Shanna, at three accepted the Lord. And there was a little girl in the neighborhood over, I think she was four or five. And we heard Shanna out in the back talking to her about Jesus. And she just boldly asked her, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? Do you want to ask him to forgive your sins? And she said, yeah. She said, okay, get down on your knees by this tree here. (laughs) And she did. And she led her in this prayer. And I just remember thinking, Lord, you are so good. What a blessing. That's what all of us as believers want is to see a vibrant faith with our children. I just say that's just one of our favorite verses, 3 John 4. There is no greater truth than knowing that our children are walking in the truth. And you have so beautifully penned this in Jesus Followers. I love the title. It's exactly what we want with our children and our grandchildren. We want them to follow Jesus. Um, And were you starting to say something? We don't want to cut you off. Were you starting to say something a moment ago? No. If I wasn't 
Uh, it's not on my mind. It's left. <laughs> <laughs> Except how much I appreciate you all and thank God for you, for your ministry, your friendship. You're truly a blessing to us. And uh, I should have said at the very beginning to thank you for the endorsement that you gave the book. But, and oh, one wow. reason, everybody I asked to endorse the book, Rachel and I asked, um, I felt like uh, were Jesus followers themselves and it also passed that baton mm. to the next generation. And so you all um, readily came to mind as someone. Oh, and it doesn't mean that our children are perfect, but you have right. um, hugely passed that baton of truth to, to your own mm. children, your grandchildren, as well as way outside your home. And so I just oh. thank you for your example and your testimony and your ministry and your friendship. Oh, oh my gosh. Thank We're you. Truly wow. humbled. Really. We, we are so privileged to get to know you. I remember when we met you in Canada wow. at a conference That's that right. you were speaking at. We were doing a little breakout session. It was just so wonderful. We've always been so blessed by your ministry yes. and, and uh, your family. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You have done a beautiful job, um, Anne, in raising your children. I haven't had the privilege yet of meeting your children, Rachel Ruth, but hearing about them, reading about them, and more than what you've shared today, you too have done a beautiful job in raising your children. And you know, one day we're not only going to hear well done, good and faithful servant in our own walk, but and how we've passed that baton of faith on to others. And both of you have done that in extraordinary ways and are helping, you know, so That's many right. learn how to do that in turn. So thank you thank for you. writing this book, yeah. for your friendship, for your love and for your encouragement. Yeah, well, thank you. And also, I'll say this. There was a time where we really felt like we dropped the baton mm -hmm. six That's times right. with our kids and, and just prayer and asking God, you know, what do we do? And people praying like you giving us that tip on having people be on this, the Shanna group, the Tommy, John Mark, Lindsay, Josh, Sarah, everybody praying for one. Boy, God used that That's powerfully. Right. So anyone listening that's struggling, there's great hope in this book. Absolutely. There's inspiration and hope. And God's not finished with your children yet. That's, so, well, you know what? We mentioned, you mentioned, Anne, about people that have never received Jesus as Savior that, that may be listening to this or may get the book. And how about we do this? Rachel, you want to close and pray for those that might need Jesus that will listen to this podcast? I know that's going to happen. Yeah. And then, Joanne, you want to close this in sure. prayer? Yeah, that that's would be it. awesome. Why don't yeah. we do that? Hmm. Heavenly Father, oh, we just thank you so much for this sweet time. And, and Lord, just thinking of people that might be listening, that, that hear what we're saying, and they want that, Lord, but they've never placed their faith in you. And so I just ask that if there's anybody listening that would like to ask Jesus to come inside to their lives and cleanse them of their sins and forgive them and have a right relationship with you so that they can fellowship with you and be a Jesus follower. If that mm -hmm. is you, just mm -hmm. say this simple prayer after me and, and just say, dear Jesus, I am sorry for my sins. Mm -hmm. I believe that you died on the cross to take away my sins, that you shed your blood to take my sins and throw them away. And, and I'm asking you today, would you come into my life and forgive me and give me a new life in you so that I can walk in you in fellowship mm -hmm. and, and have eternal life one day when I die? Mm -hmm. Thank yes, you Lord. for coming into my life. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for cleansing me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Mm. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you for those new souls listening to this that just mm -hmm. gave their lives to you, Jesus, and grab that baton for themselves. And we pray that they would grow in their faith, that you would give them a hunger for your word, a hunger to um, grow in you and to pass that on to others. Father, thank you for Anne and Rachel Ruth and their entire family, their, the tribe that they represent. Thank you for the faithfulness that they have, that they each one of them have lived not for the name of Billy Graham, but for the name of Jesus, that they first are followers of Christ and have passed on their faith to others. Lord, thank you for the many, many souls, not just here in the States, but around the world that are going to pick up this book. Would you encourage them and challenge them to live more boldly for Christ? Um, 
Father, thank you for this time that we've shared together, for this conversation. Thank you for Anne and Rachel Ruth, and thank you for Jesus. Because of you, Lord, you are the one that we serve, and it's because of you. And so thank you, Jesus. We are with great awe and adoration worshiping your name. Um, you know the needs of our hearts. We lay those things before you. May we be found victorious, and um, we pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anne and Rachel Ruth, thank you so much for being on Good News from the Middle East today. And by the way, this message is so needed in the Middle East. Uh, we know that. And um, could there be anything more important right now than passing on our faith to the next generation? Really, I think this is the most important book to read this year. Jesus Followers, Real Life Lessons for Igniting Faith in the Next Generation. Get it. Read it with your family. Um, and you, things can change. It, it's never too late to see That's great right. things happen in your family. And so what an honor to have you. We are yes. so privileged to know you. Thank you. God Thank bless you, you both. Thank we you. Love you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, love you we guys. love you too. God bless you. Bye. Okay.